You can now download the latest episode of The Candid Frame directly to your smartphone or tablet using the Candid Frame app. Available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8, you can automatically receive and listen to the latest episode minutes after it's released. Mark and download your favorites or send your comments and suggestions directly to me via the app. Download it today using your favorite app store or click on the links in the show notes found at the Candid Frame website. This weekend is the Paris Photo LA show, which is one of the biggest photo events in the city. If you ever thought you could overload on photography, well, this is one of those events where you could do it at. Because it's not just about what camera you use, but what you're trying to say with it. A photographer who has succeeded in creating a singular voice with a camera is today's guest, John Keatley, who has created a successful career as an editorial and commercial portrait photographer. He puts his personal stamp both in his commissioned and self-assigned work. But he also uses his camera to help others, as can be seen with his work in Nigeria and the Philippines. He is a photographer who has and continues to put in the work necessary not only to achieve a successful career, but also create a distinct and unique voice. Enjoy our conversation with John Keatley. Well, John, welcome to the Candid Frame. It's a it's a pleasure to have you. I've long been a long admirer of your work, so having a chance to uh, sit down and talk to you about uh, your work and your career is uh, something I'm I'm really looking forward to. So, thank you for making the time for me this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You know, in reading and researching uh, you, one of the things that you said is that in terms of developing your own style of photography, that it took you about six years to do. And I think that's the kind of surprises people because most people are in pursuit of finding their style and it can be a sort of an obsession with it. Right. But with you, it seems like it was sort of a natural, it wasn't a forced thing, but how would you describe in retrospect what you were doing in order to sort of discover that style for your, for yourself? Well, um, that's a good question. I, and looking back, I mean, it's it's been a journey, as I'm sure anyone would say, of their own story. Um, when I first started photography, I was doing weddings and events and, you know, pretty much whatever I could get my hands on uh, to take pictures of. And so there was a period of time where I wasn't necessarily searching for my style. I was always trying to improve um, you know, my work and, and to learn as much as I could. But it wasn't necessarily like a um, I didn't, it wasn't like, I know what I want to do. I just don't know how to do it. Or I don't know what I want it to look like kind of thing. It was just kind of a, an adventure and an exploration of photography and business. And, and then there was a period after realizing that I didn't want to do weddings at all. Um, that's kind of when I really started to focus in on, you know, the type of work that I suppose you could say I do now. Um, and there was a lot of, there were some happy accidents. There were, you know, obviously images that I saw that I aspired to that were a, a part of that. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly remember, I remember very vividly asking myself and my wife and talking about, you know, how do you find your style? Like, what is that? You hear people talk about style all the time. And um, it's easy to forget once you've kind of been in the game for a while, how difficult that really is when you're on the other side of it. And so even sometimes when you know what you want to do or what you want it to look like, that still doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And so there was one shoot in particular where I went into it and uh, I, I kind of surprised myself. I came out with uh, a, a few photo photographs and I was like, wow, this looks like w- what I want my work to look like. Mm. But it was, you know, it was almost, I mean, I guess it wasn't an accident because I was trying, but it was, it surprised me for sure. And that was really, you know, the the first big breakthrough for me. So, you know, when I look at your work, I see beautiful lighting. I see, you know, a real sensibility in terms of you, your ability to be able to control the frame. But I think there's also a sense of humor. There's a, there's a distinct point of view that comes across and, and sometimes that's infused with a, with a bit of humor. Was part of trying to discover whatever style that you, you lay claim to eventually, part of being able to find a way of putting your particular sensibility, your, your own voice, your own point of view into the images that went beyond anything that you were doing technically? Was that part of the challenge that you faced when you were you know, trying to find basically that voice uh, for yourself as a photographer? Well, I, if I understand the question, I th- I think um, in in retrospect, again, I think uh, your style uh, really needs to be a reflection of who you are as a person. And so often we try to put it into a, a vacuum and think like, what is my photographic style? But I think the better question would be, who am I as a person? And that really should, I think, define what your style is. And so uh, I didn't necessarily have that clarity on on the subject when I started, but Certainly in looking back, um, I think what's helped define my work the way that it is now is just doing what I feel genuinely interested in and, and making decisions and choices that uh, truly are, you know, are decisions and choices that I would want to make in any aspect of my life. So for example, you know, my favorite color is blue and almost inadvertently, if you look at my work, there's a lot of blue in my work and I, you know, I didn't really ever think about that for a while, but I naturally gravitate towards, towards blue. And, um, you know, I have certain style choices and things that I find most interesting or, you know, I tend to, I tend to dress my subjects, you know, how I would dress, not even necessarily how they would dress, but how I would dress. And I choose textures and things that I prefer. And so I think that's, um, how you find your style. It's, it's not thinking what would this art director want to see or what would get me hired it's it's making decisions that make you most happy and and then all of a sudden you know before you know it you have your style so um as far as the humor goes and things like that i mean it's just i've always uh loved comedy and humor and i grew up on monty python and um i love i love dry kind of quirky humor and i love i think humor is only funny if if you have to think about it a little bit it's i i'm not real big on the like slapstick like serve it up on a silver platter. Like this is, you know, explaining the joke kind of thing. You know, if I, I always think if you have to explain a joke, it's not really funny. So that all those little things and beliefs and thoughts that I have, those all go into the images that I decide to create. And, and I guess in that sense, reflect who I am. And that's kind of where my style comes from. So do you think that a big part of your growth as a photographer was 
was more related to your skill set in terms of being able to communicate with your subjects and to be able to express to them what you wanted to achieve from the collaboration of, of, of the photo shoot? Yeah, I, I communicate quite a bit and I, I'm very specific about what I'm looking for and I, I tend to be maybe even more a director than just a photographer. Um, I've, I've been photographed a few times for, you know, various little publications and things. And it's been interesting to be photographed. You learn a lot uh, about, um, what it's like to be on the other side of the camera. And you can take a lot away from that as a photographer. And uh, a couple of the instances I was just sitting there and I had no direction from the photographer and it was really uncomfortable. And, um, I didn't like the pictures how they turned out either. And, uh, it was really telling for me just how important it is to, to kind of direct and mold your subjects, at least for me. Now I understand there's some photographers that, you know, maybe, maybe your style is to, to create intentionally awkward portraits, or maybe it's to completely remove yourself and capture something, you know, candid or whatnot. But at least for me, the way that I work, I feel like it's really important for me to, um, put my subject in a place where, uh, I'm not leaving anything to chance. I'm, if I have a specific vision, I need to set myself and my subject up in the best possible way to, to make that a reality. So yeah. one level of direction is, is, you know, body language, the position of a shoulder or the, the, the tilt of a hand. But in, in your images, there's always, um, an interesting sort of expression, uh, not only in the face, but in terms of how sometimes the the, the way the body is being held. And I, I imagine that that can be sort of a, a difficult thing to communicate to someone else because they don't have the benefit of being able to see their own face and their own body. When So how do you sort of, how have you learned to be able to direct and communicate, you know, such subtle changes in, in someone's expression in the way they hold themselves so that you can get that that look, do you do a lot of mirroring or do you use other techniques to be able to be able to elicit that from your subject? I, I think it's different for everybody in terms of the subject. Um, some people I have to take a different approach with. And so I really try to pay attention to, to my subject and, um, get a better sense of what it is that they need or, um, you know, and I mean, there's several approaches that I'll take um, uh, another, another just perfectly honest answer to that is I shoot a lot. And some, <laughs> sometimes people say, hey, like, you know, holy cow, you're taking a lot of pictures, but sometimes it's really like an exploration. I almost feel like it's like a sculpture of someone chiseling away at a piece of stone. I mean, you might have to shoot for a while until you find this moment or this connection that wasn't there before. And so sometimes it's just patience, but, uh, you know, for example, I was doing a shoot uh, a little while ago with uh, with an actress and she was there was just something like very guarded about her her posing and she just seemed very closed off. And um, I realized, you know, behind me, I had, uh, you know, two clients and an art director and a creative director and two assistants and the makeup artist and the groomer. And they're all just staring at her. And, you know, she her experience, I think, in front of the camera was um, she probably had a little less experience than then she was just kind of starting out. So it was a, a bit of a new experience for her. And, and so I just kind of gradually or whispered to my assistant um, and, you know, they know what I need in certain situations. And so I explained to them kind of what I was going for. And so they just casually got people to act like they're going over to the food table or going to check on equipment or make phone calls. And not, I didn't want everyone to leave you know, all at once, but they kind of slowly communicated to everyone behind me, 
what I was going for. And so people gradually left. And pretty soon in the next five minutes, everyone was gone. And it was just me and the subject. And it was like this, um, it was like the shield just dropped and she mm. just became so much more comfortable. And in that case, it was um, just her being self-conscious and having all these people stare at her. And I needed her to not be aware of that and needed her to be kind of more in the moment. And so that's one situation. Sometimes it's like you said, it's just mirroring for somebody, um, just showing them. Maybe I'll even set the camera down and go stand where they're standing and, and try to do uh, what it is that they're doing. Sometimes I try rarely, but sometimes I'll show the subject um, some of the images. And sometimes that if I, if I really feel strongly that it's not going to get in their head and make it worse, sometimes I can show them and say, this is actually what what's happening right now. And this is not what we want. We're trying to go more for something like this. And then they get it, you know, so if it's someone that's really visual. Uh, so there's just different ways. But in all of that, I think for me, at least communication is, is really important. I'm constantly talking to people, constantly making minor adjustments. Um, and you know, again, it's just, you have to read each situation and each person is so different. So I, I find that there's not really one approach that works for everybody. So yeah. one of the images that you shot that I always find interesting is the one that you did for Sarah Palin for the cover of one of her books. And the pose is sort of unusual because you sort of like bending at the waist towards her, towards her left. And I, I look at that image and it sort of, it, it breaks the rules in terms of what people expect a, a pose should look like. Right. But it works so well in that, in that particular photograph. Can you tell, tell us about what led up to that, that moment and why you think that that image works as well as it does? Sure, sure. I mean, a lot of, a lot of when I, what's interesting is, you know, I could go back through all of my, I could go back through all of my my whole library of images over the past several years and my portfolio and who I am perceived as a photographer could change drastically just based on the, the images or the selects that I make. And so, um, part of it, you know, comes from obviously the selection process and is in to talk specifically about that pose. Um, a lot of, a lot of photography for me is just based on feelings and, and, um, that image just specifically, there was just a feeling about it. Like you said, I don't know that I could explain it, but it is different. There's something unexpected about it. Um, and I, I tend to gravitate towards those types of images. I think if, if somebody sees an image and, you know, say the person is smiling and it's just a portrait of someone smiling, I think we all as human beings try to, we, we want to define everything whether it's a photograph or anything else, we want to add definition to something. And so when we see a photograph and we see someone smiling, I think we automatically assume, oh, you know, I know what that expression is. I know exactly what they're feeling. I can relate to that. And you move on. But if you see something like, for example, that Sarah Palin image where she's leaning at the waist, there is something very unexpected and unusual about it. And to just define what's happening in that moment is nearly impossible. I mean, you could put any, any sort of story or idea to that pose. And so I find that people tend to stay on that image because, you know, it's, it's intriguing or confusing and they want to, to find that story that's, that's in there. And so that to me is, is what makes an image like that so interesting. Um, but in terms of the actual image and how it came about, I was photographing Sarah Palin, as you said, for her book cover going rogue. And this, uh, this was, I think on the first day that we shot up, up in Alaska, we were at her house and, um, the, the, the goal for the, for the client was just to get really a tight portrait, a head and shoulders for the book cover. And so that was the main focus. But uh, I was photographing her out on her dock on this lake, this beautiful lake in the backyard. And um, I, I just, in the back of my head, I wanted to, 
to get something for myself for my portfolio. Um, and I think I you, I always am, am doing that. You know, you obviously the goal is to get something for the client, and but I always want to try to create something. You know, if the client's goals and my goals are are slightly different, you know, on a personal level, you're always thinking about what you could do that would be a little different that would you know add to your portfolio. And so after shooting for quite a while, I. I don't really know my thought process, but I felt like I wanted to do something more environmental and wide. So uh, I was switching lenses from from an 80 to, I think, a 35 on a Hasselblad, which is pretty wide. Um, it's probably like a 24 on a on a Canon, not to get into gear. But so I was switching lenses and we had we had some large soft boxes set up on the dock. And I had a mark on the dock that I told her just try to stay right there. It was pretty dialed in. And um, as as we were changing the lens, her daughter Bristol came home and walked out on the back lawn. And so Sarah kept her feet planted on the mark, but leaned over because she couldn't see her with all these lights in front of her. And she was just trying to see around the light. And she said, hi. And she was talking. Hmm. And um, it was just this moment I saw. And I, I don't think I had the lens on fast enough. I was still working on everything. And then I got the camera up and she straightened up again. And so I, I, it's been a while now, but I, I think I said something like, like you know, Oh, I'm not quite ready. You can keep talking. Just keep standing there or whatever. And so as soon as she leaned back over again, I just got like one or two pictures. Um, so it, it was the kind of thing where it was like, how do you explain to someone, you know, oh, no, I, I want you to have this like beautifully odd pose leaning over. Like, you know, they may not necessarily want to do it that way. But so anyway, it was just kind of one of those things where I was able to catch it the second time around. But uh, it was unexpected, you know, to say that I had this idea and just thought it'd be funny to, I, you know, it, it was just one of those things where as much as I try to go into a shoot with a specific idea or concept, sometimes life itself is more interesting and can surprise you in that way. So, Were you surprised when they chose it for the, for the cover of the book? Well, they didn't actually choose that image for the cover. Um, that, was, that was one that I, um, that I used and got permission for. And all, but uh, that was one I used for my portfolio and won several awards for it. Um, and then recently, actually, she did license that image uh, for a new TV show that she's doing. So I know that she liked it and people were happy with it, but it just wasn't the it wasn't the specific look that they were going for for the book cover. But. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, in in several of your images, it seems that it's not something major that makes the photograph so um, engaging. It's like that photograph we just talked about. There's just a little something that seems off that just sucks us into the into the photograph and i guess in a way we're trying to figure out what what's happening i think like you said when you have a picture of someone that's sort of just smiling into the camera you know we kind of are accustomed to reading that and we just often will give such an image a cursory glance but if there's just something that's just off a little it it forces us to linger a little more you know there's that image that you have of Andy Sandberg where he's like against a backdrop or a wall and he's just looking you know, off camera. And it's like the immediate question is, what is he looking at? Why is he not looking at the camera? Where is he at that particular moment? It's sort of emotionally because he's not, you know, laughing. He's not smiling. He's not in a state where we normally sort of expect him to be. And I think that that sort of, that sort of look and, and that choice in terms of the shot really makes us stop and makes us wonder, well, what's going on in this particular moment? No, oh, I really I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that means a lot. I think that those are things that I that I think about a lot, and 
you know, so yeah, I mean, to, for you to, to take that away, that means a lot to me. Yeah. Cause I see it in the images that are obviously, um, like humorous. Like you have that image where there's a older man in shorts in front of a, a bull, mm-hmm. you know, and there it's, it's, it's glaring obvious that this is right. like a really strange thing. And you're literally, literally looking at it and trying to like figure, figure this out. It's like, what's happening here? You know? And, and I think the humor comes out of that because it's such an odd situation. Um, when you're coming up with concepts that aren't just straight portrait, uh, do you sort of like for this particular image, was it something that sort of came into your mind and, and you thought, wow, this would make a good photograph. And then you said about creating all the elements to put it, to put it together. Or, you know, when, when you come up with these concepts, how do you work? Do you sketch? Do you just write things down? Do you, what, what exactly do you do? Uh, it depends on the, on the project. Um, lately the, we've been doing a lot more production and a lot more sketching and planning. Um, sometimes for just the more simple portraits, sometimes there's a concept or something, but sometimes it's just exploring with a person and, you know, certainly having the wardrobe planned out or the location planned out and things like that. But again, like that shot of Sarah Palin, sometimes that just happens, you know, with Andy Samberg, we had a pretty elaborate, uh, concept and props and location, um, styled out and everything. But, uh, he, you know, some things happen on the set and, there was some, you know, some egos and attitudes involved and things changed pretty quickly and we had to be able to adjust and adapt quickly. And so it ended up just becoming a very simple portrait. And I don't, you know, I think on that particular day, Andy wasn't really (laughs) excited about, uh, doing a photo shoot for, for one reason or another. And so, um, you know, I think there's some odd tension in that photograph and it, you know, came because I think, uh, you know, it came partially because of him, but also, you know, I was, it was just kind of an exploration of the moment and of, of what he was feeling and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, yeah, it depends with the bull, with the, the, the tourist and the bull, that was a very elaborate planned out, um, shoot. And so that actually came about because, um, my agent, uh, wanted to do a, a Valentine's promo and she told all of the artists on the roster to, to come up with a pre-existing or a new concept or a new image, um, uh, for the promo and the, the theme was red. So it could literally be anything. Some people took pictures of just everything red. And, you know, so we were trying to think about really, it sounds so silly, but I mean, but you know, the essence of red, I mean, what is red? Like what are some themes that are associated with red rather than like being so literal with red? And so what we eventually came to was, um, kind of this idea of American tourism and ignorance. And I don't know, at least from my travels overseas, um, I've, I've witnessed and experienced some pretty, um, pretty, uh, awful American behavior and just attitudes. And so we thought it would kind of be funny to just basically, I mean, I think ultimately I I try not to define images too much and I, I like to let people find their own meaning in images, but at least my thought process on that, on that image when I created it was just this idea of this tourist who's maybe never, you know, seen a bull before, never been in this type of situation, just thinking, you know, thinking he's invincible and he can just do whatever he wants. And, you know, there's no repercussions. And so he just marches out into the field and uh, (laughs) decides to get right up in this bull's face. The irony is he's wearing red. You know, some people have said, well, bulls don't actually see red. Well, that may or may not be true, but the reality is we, at least in our culture, we have this association with, you know, that bulls see red and it makes them angry and charge. So there was just kind of this like, 
meant that and that's probably one of the the more literal images that I that I'll do where I mentioned earlier I try not to hand it to everybody but uh that that one I felt like was probably about as far as I would go in terms of explaining something in an image but and that that was very planned out I mean we the I shot the landscape in California and we shot the the bull at a ranch up here in Washington and then the tourist was shot somewhere else. And I mean, there's just all these different elements that went into it. So there was a lot of sketching, a lot of producing, a lot of planning involved in that one. Yeah. So that's a long, sorry, that's a long winded answer to no, your no, question. No, that's okay. But, you mentioned that the, the shoot with Andy Sandberg, and I'm sure that the, there's a lot of thought that goes into a shoot even before the subject comes onto the set. But you know, how do you deal with situations like, like that when you're, when you may have an idea or a concept well ahead of, ahead of time, that you want to work with and then the subject either is not interested in doing it or they're just in a just in a bad bad mood um and they really have really have little interest in being photographed or or working with you you know what you know what what have you found works for you in in terms of being able to salvage those situations for lack of a better word and still come away with a photograph that you're happy with and then the client is happy with Sure. Well, it that doesn't happen very often. I mean, this was a few years ago and um it's it's a rare situation, but um occasionally, you know, working with people, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And so I think for me, it's it's always again trying to communicate as best as possible, trying to be sensitive and aware to your surroundings and environment and the people and attitudes and things like that. But I I think I my first approach is always simplify, you know. So my one of one of the big themes in my work and in my life is simplicity. I am really drawn to simplicity. And so, and being a portrait photographer, there's something I love about, you know, the human face and just expressions and the subtle nuances of, of people. And so when dealing with, you know, props and environments and ideas and things like that, when that begins to break down, and again, it, it really depends on the situation and on time constraints and things like that. But for me, sometimes the fallback is just like get a really interesting portrait. And I think that it's not, it's the least amount to ask of somebody, you know, in that situation, for example, with Andy, you know, if he doesn't feel like being involved or like invested in this bigger um, concept, you know, where he's got to put more of himself into it and really kind of act and things like that, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, if if I can say so, it's not too much to ask to, to sit for a portrait. So, uh, and then you can kind of start to, you know, feel things out when you have someone sitting there in terms of direction and expression and things like that. You know, it's actually, as I'm, as I'm saying that when years ago, one of the first celebrities I photographed was Anthony Hopkins. And I asked him to just turn his head a little bit. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. He's like, who do you think I am, Brad Pitt? And, you know, <laughs> I don't, didn't really understand why turning your head meant you were Brad Pitt. But I think in retrospect, he came in with zero expectations of really giving anything and, um, to him, he didn't want to pose and he felt like posing was just, you know, he wasn't there to pose and that he kind of equated that with modeling almost in some, to some extent. And so, you know, you know, in that case, maybe a portrait almost was too much to ask of him, but you know, so yeah, simplicity I think is, is my approach when things break down. Yeah. I think, I think about that, the, the portrait that Yusuf Karch made of Churchill, Mm-hmm. And and that story is that uh, Churchill was standing there and he had his cigar in his mouth, and um, Karsh didn't want the cigar in his mouth. And at some point, uh, Churchill wasn't cooperating, so he just went up to him and took the cigar out of his mouth and then made the photograph. And that expression was 
in response to what what had just happened there. And I think it's always kind of interesting to to sort of about how you sort of have to gauge what your subject is not only willing or, or not willing to do, but also maintaining a sense of authority over the shoot. Because I think as a subject, they're very particularly sensitive to that sort of power dynamic. And so you sort of have to be, you know, part psychologist when you're making a photograph to sort of assess, you know, how far do I push this? And when do I sort of have to sort of step back and not and not do that? Is that is that something that comes into play much at all? I mean, not in such an extreme case is is the example I just made of cars, but you know, overall, in terms of being able to get what you need, but also being able to, you know, push your subject to maintain authority over the shoot. Sure, I mean, it's yeah, it's a dance for sure. I mean, and it's different for everyone when working with celebrities uh, on a higher level, especially these days. I mean, there's so much that goes into it with publicists and, you know, it just so many, there's so many different people involved. And, um, sometimes in that case, if you're there doing the shoot with the celebrity, at least, you know, you've been cleared by like 10 people. And so you're maybe not going to get as much pushback. Sometimes if it's like editorial, there's a little less clearance to go through. And so in, you know, in some cases, you know, there's not a lot of communication beforehand just because of schedules or various things. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely have to be aware and do your best to, you know, to get what you want. And, and like, you know, in that example with Karsh, I mean, he had to kind of use brute force and that was the last frame I think of the shoot, but you know, he knew that was what he wanted. And so he, he did what he could to make it happen. If you, if he needed like six specific shots, maybe that wouldn't have been the best approach. Yeah. But in this case, obviously it was. So yeah, I mean, it, I hate to sound vague, but it's just so different. I mean, you always have to be aware of not only your subject, but your client and everyone else and where the limits are and, you know, what can be pushed and, and what can't sort of thing. So, From what I understand that you, you tend to favor working simply in terms of your lighting now as compared to a couple of years ago when you might have been using a variety of different lights. Why have you found that working simpler uh, with lighting is sort of really helping you achieve whatever vision that you have for, for a photograph on those occasions where you're working with less rather than more? Well, I think when I started, I, I used a lot of lights and I tended to use smaller light sources, but I would try to get really technical with all of my lights. And, you know, we spent hours setting everything up and then my subject would come in and I was really interested in the kind of old stoic uh, poses and you know people were tended to be very serious and I think part of that came from the, the idea that I mentioned earlier where I'm not really interested in people smiling in general because I feel like it's just too easy to pass on um, when someone seems serious or you know there's something confusing about it again I think people kind of stay on that image so all these ideas led to that and basically what I ended up finding eventually was when I used all these lights and I was so technical, I, everything was locked down. There was no room for exploration or movement. And so even just the slightest you know, head movement or something was out of the question. And I began to feel a bit uh, restricted, I think. And, and so just moving to larger light sources and kind of a simpler approach just allowed me to explore and be much more nimble. And expand, I think, what I was able to do. And um, the, I mean, the word that I keep saying and keeps coming to my head is exploration. And that's really kind of how I feel like 
you know, photographers, we all tend to be a curious bunch. And, um, I think that's, that's, um, still true with, you know, on set for me, even if something's mapped out and planned, I still, there's a sense of curiosity of what else we could find when we're there. So I love just the freedom that comes with not being so tied down to a specific mark and a specific head position and things like that. So it's just been a, it's been a process for me, but that's, that's where I've come to at least for now. Do you find that you, you discover the shot in the editing process, you say you, you, you often shoot a lot of images. So mm-hmm. am I to assume that it's not just because you're trying to sort of cover all your bases, but you know that it's going to be through the, the milling of through all those, of all those hundreds, if not thousands of images that you produce for a shoot, that you're going to be able to, to discover that particular moment when everything just gels. Yeah. Well, I think, um, it's a fine line between, I mean, again, knowing what I want and then also exploring. And I think part of that came from when I started out, I was so locked down and so focused, you know, I would come back with, you know, a hundred shots or something of the same thing. And there was subtle nuances, but even it was the same thing. And all of a sudden I'd be looking at these images. Maybe there was an outtake or I accidentally pulled back for a test shot or something, but like that one test shot was actually more interesting to me. And I was like, Oh, why didn't I shoot more pulled back or, you know, and so I think it's this idea of knowing now that the editing process does reveal something outside of what you were expecting. And so I just try to provide myself with options as opposed to being done with the shoot and being back in studio and going through things and wishing I had tried something. I just try to set myself up to try things and so that there's no wishing when I get back. So I try to, to vary things up and explore a little bit more when I am on set. And yeah, sometimes that means that I'm not entirely sure when we wrap which shot we'll end up going with, but it's just being able to like sit with it back in studio and, and decide, you know, in a, in a more relaxed setting, you know, what's going to, what's going to feel right. Yeah. You know, you have a beautiful portrait of uh, Dennis Hays- uh, Haysbert mm-hmm. on your side. And I imagine that you probably had numerous images of him and it's a fairly, fairly simple compos- uh, composition. It's a sort of a headshot. He's lit beautifully He's looking intently into the camera and he has this sort of bemused expression on his face. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what did the images before and after that moment look like? And what was it about this particular frame that that made it feel to you that it was like, this is it? Because there's not a, a lot of complexity in terms of body language and and the overall setting of the shot. So when you're making a, a, a composition that's as simple as this, it's the more subtle things that you're keeping an eye for, but could, we don't have the benefit of, you know, taking a look at the other, uh, other shots, but can you sort of tell us in terms of, you know, what those images, other images didn't have that this one does? Sure. I mean, I think, I don't know if I could talk literally about what this image had that the other ones didn't, but certainly there was a feeling about it. There was something that just felt right. It's kind of like, I mean, I I don't know, you know, I don't know much about, you know, feng shui, but obviously the idea of, you know, placing uh, objects in your environment in a way that, that feels right. That's probably a terrible definition of it, but of my limited understanding of what it is. But I I think, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll be in a hotel and like, the bed is just facing the wrong way. Like I just can't sleep facing whatever it is East or something. And so sometimes like my work is the same way. It's just based on a feeling like, does it feel, does it feel right? And I think I don't remember exactly the outtakes from that particular shoot, but 
if I remember right. I mean, it was a portrait shoot. One of the ideas I was interested for that portrait shoot was doing something monochromatic. And so um, he was actually wearing a bright blue shirt the day of the shoot. And I wasn't able to talk to him until just about half an hour before. Actually, I didn't even talk to him. I talked to his his agent and um, I asked what he was wearing. And that was the first time I was able to communicate my ideas with them. And he said, well, he's got a bright blue shirt. And I just... I. I mentioned the idea that I'd like to have him wear like a black shirt or something dark. And he said, well, I don't, that's probably not going to happen. But thankfully he must've talked to Dennis because um, when he, when he walked in, he was wearing a black shirt and he said, I, I heard you wanted something like this. Is this work? And it was like, he was very pleasant and uh, kind about it. So that was the first part of it. But then, uh, you know, it was a simple portrait shoot and I would, I would imagine probably a lot of the images just looked very nice, but just, you know, there they probably looked very regular and you know expected and so there was just something about this one where i had him lean forward towards me almost like we were engaged in this kind of intimate conversation and he leaned forward and his head was down and it was just a it was a different angle it was um you know an angle i think that's not totally expected again going back to the idea of seeing something slightly different i mean i think even if you take that same idea of of you know, people smiling and we think we can relate to that. I mean, I think, I don't know if it's an actual rule or not, but I mean, if you take pictures from eye level, I think even that alone, that's a perspective that the average human being sees on a daily basis. And so sometimes even just like shooting down or shooting up from a lower or higher perspective, even those little elements and details can add so much interest because it's just something unexpected, something we don't often see. And so I think in that one in particular, it was just his expression, the feeling, the balance, the angle. Uh, it's just something just spoke to me about that one. It just felt right. And, um, you know, it was really, I think in that particular case, just based on a feeling. So, and it felt, it felt natural. So you've been doing work, um, in Liberia and in the Philippines. Yeah. Can you tell us about the work that you've been doing and, and what that provides you as a photographer and as an artist that you don't get from, you know, the, the work that you do commercially or editorially? Well, I mean, gosh, that those are, um, I mean, there's a lot that that's gone into those and it's a long, a long story, but I, several years ago, uh, a friend and I, um, a, he, he started, he started a product company and he just in talking to him about his company and what he's able to do through the company in terms of giving back and, and kind of helping people. I just, I, I loved the idea of, you know, existing as a business for something greater than just, you know, ourselves. And so I became very interested in, in the idea of like, what could, what could, a, what could a photographer do? And, um, I think for some reason I always kind of grew up with this idea that like to help people, you have to give money or something, you know I mean? Like what? And so I have always, for a while I've thought like, well, I don't have money. So I, you know, I can't really donate to causes or whatever, but, um, through kind of just conversations with my friend, Brian, um, I began to explore those ideas. And so one of the things that, that he did through his company, which is called Mir, M-I-I-R, um, they sell water bottles and bikes and other things. And each product line that they have is, is dedicated towards a specific, um, outreach. And so for water bottles, every bottle they sell, they provide uh, clean drinking water through clean water projects in other countries. And so, uh, when the company was just starting out, they went over and did their first, uh, clean water wells over in Liberia. And so, I went with them to document that project. And, um, while I was over there, kind of ended up doing this inadvertent, just like small portrait series of children. And, 
you know, for me, I think it was just expanding my worldview. It was seeing something different. It was getting out of my comfort zone and being aware and conscious of, of, uh, other people and different ways of life. And, um, just being more mindful, um, especially as this like super comfortable American that I am, you know, um, that's not really normal life for most people in the world. So the, you know, the life that I live. And so it was, it was a great experience for me. It was very challenging and it, um, it really challenged the way that I think about things and, um, also made some great friendships uh, from that trip as well. But also I, I, I think that, um, kind of go, I mean, I'm trying to focus on my thought process on this, but there were so many stories to come from there. One of the things I think being a, a portrait photographer and being, you know, I would say I'm probably controlling in terms of my ideas and I'm very specific about those types of things. And I think going into that project, you know, I had the similar type mindset. There was one day where we were asked if we would go take pictures of um, some kids at a school um, they needed pictures of kids at a school who they either were orphaned or just their families couldn't afford to, to continue putting them through school. And so they needed to find sponsors for the kids. And uh, they wanted me to take portraits of the kids so they could, you know, send them out to potential sponsors. And I just thought, oh, you know, like, that's not what I do. I'm a, I'm a portrait photographer. I'm not going to take snapshots of, of some kids, you know, to put on these cards or whatever. But uh, we agreed to do it. And I, I had a bad attitude about it, if I'm being honest. And so we went over there and just after meeting the kids and after spending time with this school, um, I was just going to, you know, take a quick picture. And I just, for some reason, decided to use my, my, you know, my portrait, my Hasselblad, my portrait camera. And, um, there was something just beautiful about the light. I had all these lights set up and then I just realized that the natural light was like 10 times more beautiful than what I was trying to create on my own. And so I ended up taking these portraits of the kids and, um, they were actually some of my favorite images from the whole trip. And, uh, I came back and, um, did a blog post about, about the, the kids and just kind of that experience. And I think within a couple hours, the organization, all seven of the kids had been sponsored and they told me later in the next couple of days, they had like a wait list of, you know, like 20 or 30 people who were wanting to, to help and, and sponsor other children. And so just that simple idea of taking a photograph and, and maybe even putting more care into it, maybe making them beautiful portraits and not just taking a snapshot like I assumed they had to be, you know, just because that's how it's always done. That was really, you know, a, a big moment for me too, just on so in so many different levels. Also, you know, one obviously is just letting go of myself and letting go of what I think I want to do as an artist sometimes and thinking of others first, you know, and, and then also just, you know, using the tools that we have, what can we, what can we do with those to, to make something bigger than ourselves? And so, and also just letting yourself be surprised by life again, rather than trying to have a plan for everything, like going into a situation that you don't really want to be in sometimes is a wonderful experience. And so that was, uh, that was my first experience doing, you know, that type of work. And, um, that kind of got the, uh, I, the bug in my head to, you know, maybe try to do at least a project every year or so where I can do something where I can bring a level of care and craftsmanship to a cause or an organization or a group of people that wouldn't otherwise have access to that. And so the next one I was approached with was a, a, a group that does, um, called arts aftercare that does, um, uh, art therapy for survivors of sexual slavery. And, um, they went over to the Philippines to, um, to teach, uh, care workers the, the curriculum so that they could, you know, use this in, in their organizations with the people that they work with. And, 
Um, I did not want to do that project actually at all. It sounded extremely uncomfortable working in some of these red light districts and just with the themes and ideas. It, I, I said I wouldn't, I think I turned it, turned the assignment down twice actually. And my, thankfully my wonderful wife, uh, she talked to me about it one night and she said, you know, I know this isn't something that you want to do, but I think it's something that you need to do. And, um, that really made a big impact on me. And thankfully I ended up going on the trip and doing it. And, um, it was very uncomfortable, but it was an incredible experience. And I think a lot of, a lot of good came from it. So, and I could probably talk for hours on, on each of those trips, but, um, that's something that I've just, I've come to enjoy and become open to when an opportunity comes up that I can, you know, use, use my skills to tell a story or help people tell their story in a better way. Um, I'm, I'm happy to, to do that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful work. Thank um, you. You mentioned your wife and you make these wonderful uh, holiday cards with your, your family. Yeah. Which is just, just great. But, um, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, being a father, being a husband, and then sort of juggling the challenges of being a photographer, which, you know, when you're running your own business, there's so much time and energy that's involved in just being able to sort of sustain it. Even when you've achieved a certain degree of success, that doesn't mean that you can slow down at all. But, you know, how have you, how do you find you sort of, what are the things that help you sort of be able to strike a relatively decent balance most days between being an artist, but also being, you know, a family man? Oh, man. <laughs> if I had the answer to that question, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. Uh, absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a really hard thing to do, especially with young children right now. I mean, I feel like every day poses a new set of challenges and things to think about. And, um, you know, there's days that are harder than others. And then there's days that are just almost too perfect. And so, you know, um, I think there's a lot of ups and downs in this job. Um, I suppose there's a lot of ups and downs in life as well, but I think, um, I'm surrounded by incredible people. I have, um, you know, some great freelance contractors and employees that I work with. And a lot of this stuff that I do, I couldn't do without, you know, the help of others. Um, and so it's, I think trying to specialize and, and not do everything is, is a big part of that. But then also, um, you know, if, if times are slow, I try to, I've learned to try to embrace that a little bit. And, um, if I've, if I'm given a little bit of time, take advantage of that time, especially for my family. And so, yeah, it's a balance. I mean, it's, I guess it's just a series of adjustments and, talking with my wife and employees and, um, just kind of gauging where things are at. And, um, yeah, I don't know, somehow I just, you know, you find a way to make it work, but I'm, I'm the kind of person that's like never sitting still and always wanting to do something. And so unfortunately, like, even if I have free time, I'm taking on a new project or building something or making something. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess everyone's definition of balance is probably different, but I, I guess for, for what we need, we just, we work hard at, at trying to make it work as best we can. So, well, my last question that I ask each guest is that I ask them to recommend or suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. And so who would that one photographer be and why? Oh man. I just, just have to pick one, huh? Just one. Yeah. Um, right now I would say, um, I would say Corey Arnold, actually. Um, he is, uh, he's a 
Portland, Oregon based photographer. I haven't met him, but, uh, we actually, we have the same agent. Um, I've been aware of his work for a, a long time, but, um, I recently just was able to see his book. Um, he's actually a commercial fisherman uh, a couple months out of the year. And so you, I'm sure whether you know it or not, you've probably seen many of his pictures, but he just has these like wonderfully beautiful and, and quirky, um, images of, of sea life and fishermen. And he has access, I think, to situations and places that very few people in the world have access to. And I think his perspective is just really wonderful. And, but he, he's so ingrained and has the trust of these people, the images that he creates, I just find so compelling and beautiful. And so I, lately I've really admired his work and, um, just the aesthetic and the unexpected, uh, perspective that he brings. So yeah, I would say Corey Arnold uh, would oh, be someone. And where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Uh, my website is keatleyphoto.com. It's K-E-A-T-L-E-Y-P-H-O-T-O.com. Um, I also am pretty active on Instagram. And my username on Instagram is John Keatley, as well as on Twitter. Uh, those are probably the three the three best places to, to find out more. On my website, I have a blog that I, I try to update every week uh, with projects and behind-the-scenes looks at, at what we're doing here. So, yeah, I would greatly appreciate it if uh, if you if you check that out. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed having uh, the opportunity to finally sit down and talk with you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. Remember that my latest book, Portraits of Strangers, is available for purchase. And for loyal listeners of the show, you can enjoy 30% off the ebook or any other book or DVD that I've produced, including my first book, Chasing the Light, Improving Your Photography Using Available Light. Click on the link on the show notes and use the promo code PORELLO, that's P as in Paul, E-R-E-L-L-O, to receive your discount. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners just like you, as well as the work of our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.